0: Good morning. That feels like something, having a big screen and introducing me to come up. I'm really excited to get to share with you this morning. And I want to talk to you about being faithful in the messy middle. For most of us, when we first come into relationship with Jesus Christ, life is filled with excitement. It's filled with hope. There's a hunger to know him more. There's a hunger to dive into what the Bible says and a desire to learn and to grow. And we have hopes and we have dreams, things we want to do for Jesus. And often we feel a call for something. And Harvest City is all about this. Live your call. And it's exciting. It's new. We've got a plan. He's God, and we're following him. We're living for him. And then the in between happens. This is the place that's in between the dream and the fulfillment of the dreams the messy middle. The messy middle is the part we don't actually like to talk about as much because this is where life gets hard. These are the moments when stuff hits the fan, and that's the PG version of that phrase. It's the messy in between where we have to face challenges. We have to deal with some stuff. We've got to navigate navigate the delays, the disappointments, and the areas where we are being developed. The opportunities for growth. In the messy middle, there's delay, disappointment, development. But what if the in-between is what God is actually using in your life for a greater purpose? The delays in the messy in-between are important, and I would say even necessary. Dreams from God are not fulfilled immediately. At least that's been my experience and what I see in Scripture. There's a process, and our desire and our character is tested in the delay. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. When our hopes are delayed, when there's disappointment instead, our hearts can become sick. So a question we need to ask is, what am I hoping in? See, sometimes our hopes are actually placed in the wrong things. Sometimes we're placing our hopes in circumstances. Things like, one day I just know, I just I just have this deep desire to be married. I'm gonna get that promotion at work. I'm gonna get the dream job. I want to go on that vacation. I want to buy a house or have children. Or I would say sometimes even the fulfillment of a prophetic word. And our hearts can become sick. As the delays and the disappointments crash against us as life doesn't go the way we expected it to. And it can begin to sometimes feel hopeless. And I want to say looking forward to those types of things, planning for them, that's not wrong. It can be exciting. But if our hope is placed in those things, if that's where our hope is lying, then we're setting ourselves up for the risk of crashing when our expectations are not met our hope was never meant to be in any of those things our hope is not meant to be in our circumstances our hope is meant to be in jesus christ that's the only place that our hope should be he is our hope he is our savior he died for our sins so that our debt is paid in full Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 1. The assurance of our hope is Jesus Christ. Our sins were bought and paid for by him on the cross. He has promised us a future and a hope because of what he has done. Conviction of things not seen. We can, we can endure to obtain God's unseen future Promises. He is returning for us and He is making all things new, and His promises are true. When we believe in Jesus Christ and we repent of the way that we were living without Him, turning to live differently with Him and for Him, our debt, the punishment that was ours to pay, is fully paid by Jesus Christ because He took every sin upon Himself and paid the debt we owed. And that is where our hope should be placed. But in there, we still face this question. I'm serving God. He's given me dreams. He's given me promises, but my life's not working out the way that I thought. How do I navigate the messy middle and remain faithful to God? Let's look at the story of Lazarus found in John 11. It's a story of delay, heartbreak, and disappointment. Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, they're close friends of Jesus, and he loved them. Lazarus gets sick, so they send word to Jesus, saying, please come. They know that Jesus can heal Lazarus. They just need Jesus to come. But Jesus intentionally delays. Here's his response, John 11, 5 to 6. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Wait, what? He hears Lazarus is sick, he loves him, and he stays longer where he was. He delays intentionally. And in the delay, Lazarus dies. And he's not just a little dead, he's dead dead. He's wrapped up tight, he's sealed in a tomb for four days, and it's starting to stink by the time Jesus arrives. So people are gathered, they're mourning with Mary and Martha, the funeral's already happened. So why, why did Jesus delay? The verse before shows us just a little bit. John eleven four four says, but when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. See, Jesus knew the end of the story, and he knew death was not the end of this story. He had something he needed to teach the people that he could only do through the delay and through the trial. There was development that needed to happen in the dark place, the hard place, the messy middle. Jesus shows up and Martha runs out to him and she says, Lord, Lord, if only you had been here, if only you were here, my brother would not have died. And then it's amazing him, Jesus and Martha, they have this whole theological conversation where Jesus reveals himself to her as the resurrection and the life. And he tells her that whoever believes in Jesus, even though he dies, he will live. And she responds with amazing faith. She says, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. Her lament turned into a declaration of her revelation of Jesus Christ. Next, Mary comes to Jesus and she is weeping for the loss of her brother. Lord, if only you had been here. Jesus is deeply moved. He feels her pain and he grieves with her. He knew the end, but he still showed up in her pain and grieved with her, felt with her. And we have this incredible story where Jesus comes to the tomb and he calls, Lazarus, come out. And this man bound in death cloth who's been dead and buried for four days emerges alive and well from the tomb of the dead. And many Jews believed in Jesus that day. And we have an incredible story of what Jesus was doing in the delay. There was a purpose in the delay that Mary and Martha would not have understood as they made funeral arrangements and buried their brother. Jesus was working in the delay for his glory. There was a new revelation of who God is that he wanted to teach through the messy middle. Development was happening. The delay was important and Jesus was in the delay what about the times when we don't see the miracle? What do we do to remain faithful in the messy in between when there's not a resurrection that we can see? What about when you have to actually walk through loss? We know from the story of Lazarus that those who have hope and believe in Jesus will live, even in death, and this is this amazing assurance and hope. But that doesn't mean there isn't grieving and pain. So how do we remain faithful in the messy in between, in the places of delay and disappointment? First, you need to remember that your hope is in Jesus Christ, in Him alone and what He has done for you. And second, let's answer, what is faithfulness? According to the Holman Bible Dictionary, it says faithfulness is It means faithful, faithfulness, loyal, steadfast, dedicated, dependable, worthy of trust, derived from the Hebrew root having the basic meaning to trust a person or to believe a statement. To trust a person, Jesus Christ, and to believe that his promises, what he said is true. Jesus is always faithful. Faithful always. And if we want to be faithful, we need to be steadfast, dedicated to him, worthy of trust, trusting in him and believing in his promises, even in the messy middle. Faithfulness is building your life on the rock of Jesus Christ so that when the in-between comes, when the waves hit, you can remain strong. What are the storms you're facing What are the winds, the rains, the floods that are beating against your house? These things reveal your foundation. They reveal what is in your heart. If you are foolish and your foundation is built on your own expectations, on circumstances, and not on the rock of Jesus Christ, the storms hit and the house will fall because the foundation is not secure. I'm going to tell you a little bit of what my family has gone through over the last 13 months. It's been an intense in-between season. We face challenge after challenge, wave after wave. My husband's health journey has looked like two colonoscopies, hernia repair surgery, a cancer diagnosis on his hand that led to an urgent surgery and a skin graft. A couple of MRIs, a diagnosis of an abnormality in his brain. My dad had emergency surgery for prostate, for a septic prostate. Two of my daughters were in two different car accidents that totaled two of our cars. That led to some financial hardship. We had a vacation that we were planning for and hoping for that didn't happen. My engagement ring that I would worn every day for over 22 years made its way to the bottom of the middle of a really dirty lake. There was disappointment. My mom fell on her way into a funeral for a really close family friend and broke her shoulder in over nine places, requiring major reconstructive surgery including bone transplants, and she still doesn't have any use of her arms and needs full-time care at the moment. And that's not even everything. That's some of the messy middle of this year. I have felt wave after wave after wave hit hard. And some of you have faced more and some less. And this isn't to garner your sympathy, but it's to say I understand the messy middle. I understand seasons of pain and loss and disappointment. And I have learned that I need to cling hard to Jesus. I was video messaging with a really good friend of mine, Ray Lynn Harrison. Many of you would know her. And she said to me, wow, it sounds like God is giving you a lot of opportunities to trust God. I wasn't viewing these as opportunities to trust. I was struggling. I was hurting. I was disappointed. Maybe even a little bit mad if I'm being fully honest. I didn't understand. I wanted answers as to why, what am I doing wrong? But her words to me changed my perspective in a very significant way. And they've stuck with me, and they remind me of James 1, 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Wow. Wow. Trials can be seen as joy because they're opportunities, opportunities to trust God, opportunities for our faith to be refined, for our selfish ways to be exposed so that we can come to Jesus and be made pure. And it continues, this scripture in James continues in verses five and six, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Let me tell you, I need wisdom in the middle of the trials in the delays, in the disappointments. I need God's wisdom to make it through. And if I, this scripture says, if I ask and I believe, he will give wisdom to you to help you get through. We all need wisdom in the middle of the trial, in the delay, in the disappointment. And God gives this generously to all without finding fault. God isn't going to say to you, no, you're not good enough. You messed up. Maybe this trial's your own fault. So I'm out. No wisdom for you. He's so good, guys. He's got you. When you come to you and you say, I don't know how to do this on my own, God. I've messed up. I need your wisdom. He will help you. He will give you the wisdom you need for the next step and then the step after that and to make it through. If you will allow him, he will help you and carry you through. My prayers now sound like, God, I don't know what you're doing in all of this. I don't understand but I'm choosing to trust you anyway. I know that you are still good, that you're for me, you're not against me. You have plans to prosper me and not to harm me. Help me to cling to you through this. Where does my help come from? It comes from you, the maker of heaven and earth. I lift my eyes up to you. You are where my help comes from. I surrender this. I surrender my ways to you. And I've prayed again and again and again. God, I don't understand. But I'm choosing to trust that you are with us, that you are for us, and that you will help us get through over and over again. And in the middle of all of this, I've also had some dreams. I have prophetic words that were spoken over me 15, 20 years ago that I haven't seen the fulfillment of. But I keep clinging to them. And year after year, I'm called to be faithful without seeing the fulfillment, to be developed and to be refined in the season of delay, to learn from God, to surrender more, to pick up my cross, to follow Him. And I've actually had to wrestle, and this might sound funny to some of you. Most people think I'm younger than I am. I've found that out, Um, but I've had to wrestle even with getting older and still believing in the promises. A couple of weeks ago, Seth Allen actually responded to something I said with, that's just because you're old. And I was like, Seth Allen, you better watch your mouth. (laughs) But I've had to learn, I've had to question, is it too late? Can I still trust God is true and faithful even when these things still seem far off? Even when I'm living in the messy middle, I have to continue to trust in God's timing, knowing that even if I never see the fulfillment, God is still good and he is working in me. He's developing me. When your hope is in the right place, you can be faithful through the seasons of delay and disappointment and hardship. When your hope is in Jesus Christ, when the storms come, when disappointment come, your house is still standing. The shutters may have rattled a bit. Maybe a few shingles fell off along the way. Maybe some things were shaken, but you're still standing because the foundation was secure. And I have clung to scriptures like 1 Peter 6-7, in this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I have been grieved by various trials, but my faith is coming out stronger and more purified than it was before. My trust muscle is stronger than it was 13 months ago. And somehow that one's been a hard one for me to build in my life. But I got to keep lifting those weights of these trials and in the in-between And the way it looks like putting my trust and my faith in God, clinging to his promises, saying your word is true. And I pray these prayers faster than I used to. I release things to God faster than I used to, casting my cares on him because I'm not strong enough to carry it without him. Joseph is someone who experienced a lot of delay between the dream God gave him as a teenage boy and the fulfillment of the dream. He faced a pit, hard labor, a field, temptation, false accusation, a prison, and through it all, there was a faithfulness in him. He was steadfast in his allegiance to God and firmly held to the promise. He didn't start to question the character of God. He continued to walk in trust and humility, being the leader that God showed him he was in every situation he found himself in. He had a divine dream that would require divine intervention and a lot of delay in the messy middle as God was developing Joseph's character. The dream was about who Joseph was, and it had to do with his identity in Christ. Then while he's in prison, a butler and a baker, they also have dreams, and they come to Joseph, can you interpret our dreams? And if he had become bitter and taken to complaining, he couldn't have interpreted those dreams. He did, but he could have become bitter and said, oh yeah, you had a dream? Let me tell you, I had a dream once. God doesn't answer dreams You know how many years ago it was that I had a dream? And look at where I am now, sitting in prison. I'm in a dungeon. But he didn't. He didn't become bitter. He didn't question the character of God. The promise was still before him. The delay was a total of 21 years for Joseph. Two full decades of delay. Having the right attitude can help you to prosper in the dungeon in the messy middle. David's story in the Bible is also filled with delay, and yet he was a man who was faithful in the messy middle between his calling as king and the weight to be placed on the throne that God had promised and set him apart for. Samuel comes, he anoints David to be king, but David's dad didn't even bring him before Samuel as one of the sons as an option. He's out in the fields with the sheep, a lowly shepherd boy who God chooses and anoints to be the next king. And then the spirit of the Lord departs from Saul, he's tormented, so David's called into the... Palace to play the harp for him. All of a sudden, David's no longer with the sheep. He's in the palace playing the harp for Saul. As Saul goes into battle, David returns to the sheep. Then there's this Philistine giant, Goliath, and everyone's terrified of him. But along comes David with food for his brothers. And instead of simply being the delivery boy, he ends up defeating Goliath with a sling and stone. Saul still doesn't actually even know David's name or where he comes from at this point. But he finds out and brings David to the palace. And then this deep friendship develops between Saul's son and David. So now all of a sudden... David is in in his son's armor, and David is successful wherever he goes. And David's probably thinking, this is pretty great. I'm living in the palace, I'm fighting battles, I'm wearing armor, I'm not with the sheep anymore. But Saul gets jealous. Why is David successful and I'm not? Jealousy turns to anger. He gives his daughter to David in marriage and then sends David to fight the Philistines, thinking to kill him off. It's a little twisted. But yet David again finds success which leads to Saul's jealous rage and plots to kill David. David is anointed as the next king, and then he's living in the palace, but now he's fleeing for his life and living in caves and among the Philistines for 12 years. And in this time, he has multiple chances to kill Saul, but he spares his life. Why? His trust was in God's timing— And in God's promise and he knew if God needed to be the one to bring about the fulfillment. David's character and trust in God was being developed in the delay and I think there's some practical keys we can take from each of these stories that can help us to be faithful in the messy middle where God is developing our character and so I'm gonna go through these quickly. Number one, gratitude trumps grumbling. In the messy middle in the place of delay, the place of disappointment, the place of pain, the place of development, it can be really easy to start grumbling, to start complaining, and to begin to blame God. Forgetting to be thankful for who he is and what he has done. We see the Israelites do this again and again. They forget to be thankful for what God has done. And forgetting can lead to grumbling, and grumbling can cost a destiny. There's a difference between grumbling and being real and sharing your grief in lament. Grumbling, you see, drives us further away from God, and it often leads to angry outbursts in comparison. When we're going through hard times, it's tempting to want the comforts we once had more than the purposes and the promises of God. Lament looks like confessing your anguish, your pain, your hardships, laying it all out, But then, lament directs us to turn our eyes to Jesus, to his promises, to his character. And David does this again and again throughout the Psalms. How long, O Lord, yet I will trust in your unfailing love. And this is what happened when Martha met Jesus when Lazarus died. Her grief switched to declaring who God is and his promise of resurrection for every single one of us who believe. This is the difference between lament and grumbling. Rather than grumbling and complaining, make the choice to thank God for who he is, that he is faithful to his word, that he is faithful to his promises— Thank him for who he is and what he has done. Number two is this don't forget. Keep the promises of God before you. I said it up above forgetting to be thankful, or forgetting can lead to grumbling, and grumbling can cost a destiny. Don't forget. David knew that God had promised he'd be king and that taking the throne before God gave it to him would be wrong. He kept the promise before him, and he trusted in God's timing. Joseph kept the promise of God before him, and he was able to keep the right attitude even in the prison. He was able to run with faithful endurance for 21 years before the fulfillment of the dream. Remind yourself of God's faithfulness. Stay committed to the process and what God is producing in you through the trial. He's developing you through the delays and the disappointments. Stay in the word of God. Don't neglect going to his word, reading about who he is, how you're to live. Be in the word of God. Remind yourself of God's character, that he is always faithful even when we are unfaithful. If you have dreams that God has given you, if you've had some prophetic words, if if you have hopes of what you want to do for him, keep those things before you. Write them down. Pray about them. Remind yourself of what God has said. And then remain faithful as you wait. When you have dreams and call and things from God, a divine dream requires divine intervention. And there's some character development that needs to happen in the messy middle. Don't question the character of God when you're in the messy middle, when you're in the delay. He was in the delay with Lazarus. Lazarus died. They're grieving. They're burying their brother. But Jesus was in the delay. There were some things he wanted to develop. There were some things he wanted to teach. Don't forget. Ask the question, God, what do you want to teach? What do you want to teach me through this, in this? I surrender to you. Number three is this. Trust. Rely on God. Know that God is always faithful to his word and to his promise. In 2 Corinthians 1, 5 to 9, Paul talks about a significant trial that he went through. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort too. The comfort is Jesus and his promise. If we are afflicted, It is for your comfort and your salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely on ourselves, or not rely, rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves. The trial that Paul went through was intense. He says that they were utterly burdened beyond their strength, despairing of life, thinking they're about to die, but it was to make them rely on God. Wow, what a perspective. There was purpose in the trial, in the messy middle. Is this my response? To rely on God in these moments. That even if we experience deadly peril, our hope is in a God who delivers us from death. Trust looks like surrendering my false sense of control and instead leaning into Jesus and following his lead. And the last is this, ask for wisdom. When you don't understand or know what to do next, ask God for wisdom and he will give it to you even in the messy middle. For us, for a lot of us in this room, I think, if we knew the in-between, if we knew what the middle was going to look like, if we realized the trials and the testings that were ahead, we may not have said yes. But these trials will develop us. They'll give us the character we need to steward what God desires if we will remain faithful. And I don't know about you, but I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, when I stand before Jesus. I want to be faithful. I want to trust him above all else and believe him at his word and remain true to him even in the messy middle, even in the uncertainty. I definitely don't want to hear, depart from me. I never knew you. His promises over your life are true. There may be some mud to walk through. There may be some mess in the middle. There might be some storms. There probably will be. There may be waves that hit again and again. But remember who God is. Keep his promise at the forefront of your mind. And I'm going to ask you all to stand right now. And before I move on, I, I want, first I want to give an opportunity for anybody who's in this room that you have not found Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You haven't come to Him and acknowledged the gift that He gave by dying on the cross for your sins to pay the debt that we all owed. For each of us our sinners. It's the grace of God. It's His gift that He gives that we can believe in Him and turn from how we were living to live different, to walk with Him. And so I want to give you an opportunity today that if if something's stirring in your heart and, and you're feeling stirred towards Jesus, that you could respond, that you could turn your life to him and begin to live for him this morning. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And if that's you and you want to surrender your life to Jesus, to walk with him, to allow him to walk with you through the trial And to turn your life to Him. To say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you died and you rose again for my sin. And I choose to live for you. So I'm going to ask you, with every eye closed, if that's you, just raise your hand right now. Thank you. I see a few hands. So if you could all just... Pray after me, and and those who raised your hands, just pray this sincerely with your heart. And then I would strongly encourage you tell somebody. So Jesus, I thank you that you are the Savior. I thank you that you are
1: the Savior.
0: And today I choose to believe, and today
1: I choose
0: to believe. that you are Jesus Christ. That you died on the cross. And you rose again for my sins. sins. That the punishment I owe you paid in my place. place. Thank you for your gift of grace. Thank you that you save. save. Amen. Amen. And I want to encourage you. Jesus also endured. Even though he knew what was coming, the cross, a horrific death, he knew it wasn't the end. There's incredible victory on the other side of the cross for us. And for those that just came into his kingdom this morning, there is incredible victory for you as you walk with Jesus Christ. There might be some mud in the middle, but there's victory and he will develop you. For the rest in this room, I also want to encourage you to lift your eyes up again to Jesus, to remind you it is time to believe that the God who promised is faithful, to keep his promises, that Jericho walls will fall.
2: Amen.
0: Maybe in the discipline, maybe in the delay, maybe some of you have also started to question, maybe God doesn't care, he's let me down. But if you will keep believing, if you will lift your eyes up to him, if you will trust him in the messy middle, he will come through. He will meet you in the pain. He will meet you in the disappointment. He will meet meet you in the mud. And he will come through to teach you, to develop you, and bring you through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jesus is here today to be your comforter, to be with you in the mud, to be with you in the messy middle, to get you through whatever trial you are facing. Lift your eyes up. Why are you looking at your circumstances? Lift your eyes up to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. He is the one who's got you. He has you and his promises are true. His words that he's spoken over your life are true. Jesus does not lie to you. The enemy is the only one that lies to you. So if you have picked up lies, lay those down and speak the truth of the word of Jesus Christ. Speak the truth of the character of Jesus Christ over your life over your circumstances, over whatever situation you are walking through. Lift your eyes up. Where does your help come from? Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He is greater. He is stronger. He is still rolling stones away. He is healer. He is awesome in power. He is stronger than any other. That is the God we serve. Amen. I'm done.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Kimberly. I get to, there. We go. Thanks, Kimberly. Really well done. You know, uh, if you're feeling like, man, I'm in the messy middle, and I would like somebody to pray with me today, uh, and uh, just to stand with me. And what I'm going through, I just want to open the altar here at the front. I know Kimberly will pray for you. I'll pray for you. Others uh, will join uh, with you there in doing that. Also, I just want to say to you that, uh, you know, the last four weeks we've done our Money Matters campaign. And, and we've, we, we run a finance class in the fall. But Tim Sturzer, who leads that class, came to me last week and he said, you know, if there are people that are stirred uh, to uh, take the course and don't want to wait for the fall, I'll run one. And uh, so I just want to let you know that we, we are prepared to run a class immediately. And so if that interests you, stop by our window on the way out, give us your name and we'll contact you with some details regarding that. God bless you, church. If you need some prayer, feel free to come forward. We'll pray for you. Other than that, be blessed. Have a great week.
2: Well, that brings us to the end of our time together. We hope that you found insight and had moments that spoke to you right where you needed it. Before you go, share the love and post this inspiring video to your page. Who knows how many lives could be impacted by it? And if you aren't already, like, follow and turn on your social media notifications to keep up to date on all the exciting things happening at our church. Here at Harvest City, we're all about connecting with our community and celebrating those big moments. Like if you've recently decided to fully dedicate your life to Jesus. We'll be your cheerleaders and help you take those first steps. And if you're going through a tough season, let us know how we can help you. Plus, we've got tons of programs for kids, youth, and adults if you're looking for a new community to be part of. To send us a message or check out more about HCC, head over to our website, harvestcity.ca. To all of our financial partners, thank you for investing into the kingdom of God. Your generosity allows us to keep doing what we're called to do and reach even more people. If you're interested in contributing, please visit harvestcity.ca slash giving for more info. Thanks for being here. Keep living your call and we'll catch you again soon.